This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars, the only way it's been possible, on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. This is where the fun begins. Chewing. We're home. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the Blue Milk Cafe. Grab an empty stool at the counter, order a cup of Jawa juice and a nice slice of Yogan fruit pie, and get ready because we're about to talk all things Star Wars. Good morning, Moss Husband. Welcome back into the cafe. This is episode 150. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm Earl Farm Boy. And this week we are going to be talking about Solo and going over that and our first memories of seeing it and favorite parts and pretty much, you know, walking through the movie, but not like we did with um, Ahsoka. But yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But before I do that, I just wanted to mention, if you guys out there haven't heard of something called One Man Star Wars Trilogy, you all should go look it up and see what it's all about, because this past Thursday evening, my dad took me out to see uh, One Man Star Wars Trilogy. It is this uh, comedian by the name of Charles Ross that does this he's been doing it for 21 years he's done over 5,000 shows it is really funny really unique he puts his own little spin on the Star Wars trilogy now he only does the original trilogy because if he did all nine films he said he would be there forever because we don't want that but yeah if he if he did them all he, he said he would be there forever he would like to one day go back and tackle the other two trilogies he goes but we'll see you know, how he goes, how old and how tired he gets. But yeah, it's just the original trilogy and it's awesome. He even, he will even stop and he did a poll in between the two movies and asked how many people, by applause, how many people have seen the original trilogy, how many people have seen the prequels, how many people have seen the sequels, how many people have seen the variety, the various stuff offered on Disney Plus. In the, and in the TV world, and I believe I was the only one that clapped for the Disney Plus one. Hmm. And I just happened to be in the front row, and it got me noticed. <laughs> and he goes, there's one person right up here in front. He goes, that's my kind of nerd. Right here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and there was like, one or two people there that actually clapped when he goes, has anyone here never seen a Star Wars before? There was one or two people that clapped out, and he was like, then you have no clue what's going on up here then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just couldn't believe there was actually people there, there that never saw a Star Wars before. They may have been drugged there by a friend or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was an awesome show. I highly recommend it if it ever comes into your area. I know he said he was going to be in uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio next week sometime. <laughs> and then from Columbus, he is going over to Dublin, Ireland. Oh, uh, wow. He's taken it across seas, and I'm pretty sure he's done shows across seas before. But I just find it funny he's going from Columbus, Ohio to Dublin. But you got to, you know, end your U.S. You know, tour somewhere and go over, so... 
But yeah, he he's really good, really funny. He knows his Star Wars. Believe me, he knows his Star Wars. So, yeah, if you ever get a chance, check him out. And, you know, I was very happy with it. Felt It felt to me like I was seven, eight years old again, and my dad taking me to see A New Hope for the first time because he's the one that took me to this. And, I don't know, it was just really, you know, fun time. Took me back to being a kid before, and my dad caught me a couple times lip-syncing to some of the lines when he was acting mad on stage and told me after the the um performance he was like he was like never tell me he goes someone else is a bigger Star Wars nerd than you he goes I saw you sitting there mouthing along to the words he goes you know them all too so well there you go friends Get, yeah. you want you want to have, have a have a good fun time and laugh with Star Wars sounds like Charlie Ross is mm-hmm. oh yeah he knows his stuff and if I ever get a chance to see him again I'm definitely going to go see him again. So, yeah. But we are here to talk solo this week. So, RFB, why don't you start off, and what do you remember about going to see this one for the first time? Well, I'm going to jump this back three years because... Well, not because. Solo, A Star Wars Story was put out in December of 2018. And we were first told about this at Celebration Anaheim in 2015. Where was Anthony Bresnikin, who was working. He, he hosted the celebration and... They invited Alden Ehrenreich on the stage and then introduced us to who was going to be Han Solo 10 years before A New Hope. And he was really excited about this. He's a fan, just like we are. And then for the next couple of years, as I'm listening to different podcasts, talking about kind of being excited about this, I was one of the ones, this is where I had my second don't go get in my own way where I learned my expectations are going to be the one thing that will let me down. It won't be a storyteller. It will be me doing it to myself because I was saying, but why do we Why do we need this when it's never about what we need? Or what we want. <laughs> yeah, or what we want. It's about a storyteller has a story they want to tell you. So when I went and sat my ass down in the theater with my girls – in 2018 to watch this and I came out and I had just the best time ever and then that's when I realized that this is something I didn't know I needed and I wanted and I got it Mm -hmm. yeah it was we've heard all these stories about um the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs and, and just what all was that? Because in that story, the Kessel Run was done in over 20 parsecs and Han cut down by, by eight and made it less than 12. Yeah, if you round up. Yeah. If you round down. I'm sorry. <coughs> yeah, this, this is one of the just best fun times ever and it's one that I go back to on a regular Including the Disney Plus stuff, because how how can't you? It, it it's just it's Star Wars through and through, and, and I have any kind of. So, there's so many folks that had an issue with the only person that could be Han Solo is Harrison Ford, and nobody else. And uh, you know. well, I, I'm going to admit something. I was one of those people at first, but then mm-hmm. when I saw the trailer. And I heard Alden Ehrenreich speak as mm-hmm. Han Solo. And then, of course, after seeing the movie, I was like, he is just as much Han Solo as Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Because he did a tremendous job. Even Harrison Ford gave him his approval. So that should have, you know, relieved some fans. But, no, it didn't relieve them all, but. I mean, no, it surely didn't. 
But yeah, I think he did a tremendous job. And uh, to me, he's he's Han Solo just like Harrison Ford is now. So if they want to do future stories with Han, they have their guy. And I'm pretty sure he will come back. So Absolutely. Um, the same would be said for um oh why am I why is his name eluding me? Lando Calrissian. Oh, Donald Glover? Donald Glover, yep. Both of them, Alden and Donald, each on their, oh, yeah. at their times, got to go sit and have a meal. Alden did with, with Harrison and Donald did with Billy. Billy. Yeah, where they chatted about each is the, the only ones, what their, what their experiences are, were portraying the characters and the things that they would Recommend giving a look at when they were doing their portrayals for Alden and Donald. Right. Yeah, and then, and then after, afterwards, yeah, just just for me, yeah. If you're telling me this is Han and this is Lando, then that's Han and that's Lando. Yep, and we all know. I think they are. Donald Glover and his brother are doing something with the Lando series. I've heard a rumor. No, so. that that's that's straight up. Nail on, you hit the head, the head of the nail. That That's okay. what's going on right now is, yep, they are both writing it together. And whenever they can. <laughs> yeah, whenever, whenever they can start to get to put this together, because we still got a strike going on, That and there's yeah. talk, and hopefully they'll finish this up. Pay the folks, you pay the writers, you pay the actors, get it done. Right. Yeah, it's not just the producers that make movie magic. It's the actual people that are in the movie and the people that write the story. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they paid the writers. Now, all they got to do is pay your actors, you know, pay them what, what they deserve. And, you know, I don't know. I, I know I'm not in, you know, that kind of world, but I don't know what's so difficult about sitting down trying to come up with something. That's going to make both sides happy. But that's just me. I'm naive to that kind of stuff, so. As am I. But yeah, I'm one that, of those that are walking around going, how hard can it be? Just agree with something. So, but, oh well. Agreed. Yeah. But back to the solo bench. Uh, or stools in the cafe. Um, yeah. uh, let's see. Yeah, my first time going to watch going to see this um again a different way that this started was with it didn't have a crawl but it explained in i can't i'm not sure quite how to describe it it was the a long time ago in the galaxy far far away font mm-hmm yeah, it they were. Small font. It was the exact same font that we get at the beginning of each Star Wars movie, where it just says, in the galaxy far, far away. And there was a couple short sentences describing, right. uh, what Han was up to, and it was in blue lettering, um, at the time, being a scrum rat, and working for the White Worms, which was a, uh, <laughs> criminal syndicate. Mm hmm. Just Grindelid. And then we get took into the story where we see Hans boosting an M68 speeder from somebody. Kind of like hot wiring it. And throws his gold dice up on the rearview mirror and makes his way back to the White Worm's lair. And we see some youngins that are also part of that. They're they're playing Sabak and stealing stuff from one another. Yeah, that that was that criminal stuff like that didn't really fascinate me. But when when I got tucked into this story, it was just yeah, I was eyes wide, mouth agape, just wow. Yeah. And then we see Kira. Yeah, that just stole my heart because uh, rp has got a softy spot for brunettes. <laughs> But yeah, 
Well, I, I, I have a soft spot for the actress, Amelia Clark. So, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't a big, I never saw Game of Thrones. That's no. not where I was introduced to her, but I was introduced to her in the one Terminator movie. She played Sarah, Sarah, uh, Connor. Connor. So mm-hmm. that's where I was introduced to her, but yeah, I never got into Game of Thrones. I saw previews for it and I was like, yeah, it doesn't seem like my kind of thing. So. No, me neither. Me neither. Yeah, uh, I had a soft spot for her and I also, oh, it also hit me in the heart because right when I saw that opening scene, we all know Han doesn't end up with Kira. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, this is going to end in heartbreak somewhere in this movie. And I'm not going to like it. <laughs> so, which is exactly what happened. But, you know, would I like to see a continuation of the story with Kira? Hell yeah. I want to see her working for Darth Maul and Crimson Dawn. I want to see what happened after Solo. But I don't know if we'll ever get that or not. If we get uh-huh. in the, I would yes. rather get in the comic book than the novel, tell you the truth, because I'm more of a visual guy, and with comics I can see pictures, so, to go along yeah. with the words. There, there is a comics run of Crimson Dawn telling those stories of okay. Kira's up to, and just coming up, I want to say it was just recently, there is also a novel, and I'm fairly certain it also turns up in Audible, Continue Kira's story called Crimson Climb, who was, it was written by the same author that wrote Ahsoka and the Queen's trilogy that tells Padme's story, which are, are, yeah, those three Queen's novels are fantastic. I've done them a couple times that are really good. E.K. Johnson is telling the story of Crimson Climb. I've I've heard I've already heard a couple reviews on it and they weren't spoilers. Um and I also have yet to where I can probably set my playlist down right now because it's I'm getting a little bit of some of what's going on, but to fill my time, I've done this thing that I'm calling way back because I got to go back depends on how far back I go to some Mando Chapter 1 in 2019, or I've been also doing Andor for now, just to fill in the gap so that I've got someone talking Star Wars in my ears. Right. Yeah, go back and listen to some of the 2019 stuff. is really interesting. But I don't want to take us away from Solo. we got to yeah. start it. Yeah. But, yeah, of course, with every... Disney, I'm not going to, no, not Disney Star Wars. With every newer Star Wars that have come out ever since Force Awakens, you know, I try to take my nephews to, I believe, Solo, if I try to remember right, I think it was my, my two oldest nephews. Again, it was just us three and my wife that went to see it. And again, my nephew, he's starting to prove to me that he's more of a uh, Star Wars nerd than he admits. Because he was leaning over to me, going, "Oh my God, that, that that's a that's a callback to the I love you, I know," or, "Oh, that's the same thing as this." He he was noticing all the little Easter eggs that were <laughs> scattered throughout, and I I was just. As a Star Wars nerd uncle, I was proud. Just let's put it that way. But yeah, it, this was, and it made me fall in love with another character that I would like to see more in live action, and that was Emphis Nest. Such a cool character. And oh, yeah. did have me fool. It did have me fool. I thought it was a man. I thought it was a male. No, I and it ended up to be a 16-year-old in Galaxy, a 16-year-old girl taking the place of her mother. Yeah. So, but yeah. And Aaron Kel- Kellerman, or Kellyman, Aaron, yeah, Kellerman. Mm-hmm. She, tremendous actor, and yes, she was also 
And um, for well, people that are also Mar- Marvel nerds like me and Willow nerds like me, she was also in the Willow series and she was also in the Captain America series that was on Disney+. Plus. Hmm. So she is she is starting to get around. And mm-hmm. I don't think she's going to have a hard time finding jobs, especially if, you know, she's now in the, um, you know, Disney family with all the shows that they're coming up with, you know. She's going to be getting more and more acting gigs, I think. Good. Wishing her well. Yeah. But, yeah, and, of course, that first time I saw it, I loved it. I love seeing how Han and Chewbacca met, and I had no problem with that. I, Like I said, I was never a Legends guy, so the life debt thing never bothered me. That, oh, it wasn't a life debt. Did it have to be? I like this more. I like the fact that Chewbacca decided to stay with him because of friendship. Mm Mm-hmm. So I like this one more. <coughs> I like the way they met because Chewbacca, just the shocked and surprised look on his face when Han started speaking. Um, Shrewook. Yeah, that's it. Shrewook was amazing. And he goes, yes, I speak a little. Mm-hmm. And you know, they started having that conversation in, a, in Shrewook, and it was just so freaking funny. And, yeah, I... And then after I was thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, if you think that's how they should have met. Because Han, yeah, Han would have found himself in the situation he was in, thrown into a situation like that, then having to talk his way out of it. So it, yeah. it was, to me, it was perfect. Whichever but, ever way it turned up that they met in Legends, I think it was Han had somehow got himself on in on um, an imperial convoy and and freed Chewie that way. And th- this this way that it was told out because it, it's the Battle of Mimban is taken from the first story right after Star Wars came out. There was a, a, a book put out that was continued the adventures of Luke and Leia, because George wasn't quite, he wasn't quite sure what was going to happen with Star Wars, and it ended up blowing up, and then made the money for him to go make Empire Strikes Back, but on that in-between three years, there was a book put out called The Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Oh yeah. and in that story, it took Luke and Leia to a planet called Circuit Porous 4, and it also included Mimban. And I could, I remember that story well. There are audiobook versions to be found of it, mostly around YouTube. And going underground and meeting the Mimbanese, and when we got to finally see them on screen, yeah, that, that whole, I could, I, I go back on the regular just to watch the, the different Parts of the Battle of Mimban, where we get to see uh, Tobias Beckett in stolen Imperial armor, yeah. and Val's with him. Rio Chuchi's, or not Rio Chuchi. Oh, who am I? Why am I blanking on his name? I just sat and watched him just a little bit ago. Yeah, so am I. The Ardenian. Yeah. And there was, fourth, there was a fourth member to their gang, and we get to see him. He gets taken out. Right. Yeah, he doesn't last long. No, his name is Corb. He, we can, you see him, he's got a, a heavy repeating blaster, and he's wearing a Navy trooper helmet. Or, yeah. Death Star trooper, if, if folks would, Think of him that way. Yeah, he gets taken out, and that's kind of what saves the spot for Han to get brought on board when they change. Yeah, watching that battle is just, and even the concept art. Go look up some of the concept art that 
Ryan Church and Chris Alsman and everybody has done on it. Fantastic stuff. Every time I see in the Twitterverse concept art for doesn't matter which Star Wars story, you can bet your credits I'm retweeting that because the work that those fellows do is just far above and beyond. Yep. And if you ain't following any of the concept artists, please do. I'm I'm humbled that they follow me back. I don't know why they do, but they do. So, in that kind of sort of Twitterverse way, consider them friends. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, I, I love some of the kind. That's one thing I loved about the credits of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Is I would watch the credits up until the concept art stopped. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, all that stuff is fantastic. So, yeah, I mean... Go go look up them artists. Give them, you know, a view, man, because I'm pretty sure they do other art besides Star Wars. Oh, they definitely do. Go check it out. Uh, Let's see. What's another thing that we got to see was from Legends was the Maw that included in the Castle Run. In Legends, it was a series of three or four black holes, and there was an Imperial installation in it. But in this version, in canon, we get to see, yeah, it's a gigantic black hole. that And stripping all the paneling off the Millennium Falcon Mm -hmm. so that we end up getting to see the version of it that we're familiar with. And also introduced to... We first learned that there was life that could live in space in the Empire Strikes Back with the Exegorth, or folks call know it as the space slug in the asteroid. Yep. But here, we get to see something that's 200 times the size of an Exegorth that yeah. has nickels and eyes all over it. It's called a Summa Verminoth. It's like a giant space squid that tries to pretty much straight up eat the Millennium Falcon, but Han pulls himself, pulls it out of the way with it by taking the the escape pod that's between the mandibles at the at the forward part of the Falcon and launches that and towards the black hole and the Summa Verminot sees that and goes after it because it's moving, which lets the Falcon go and get away. And right. ends up in the Summa Verminot into the black hole. So that thing's gone. Uh, we also get to see Kessel for the first, well, the second time. We get to see it first in Rebels. Yes. In season, season one. But yeah, getting to see Kessel and live action portrayals of, uh, the Pike Syndicate. Yeah. Full site. That's a credit to details. Details. The, the, the British actor that got to be inside the suit to play Quite whole site. He's been a guest on many a different Star Wars podcast. You can look him up. One of the ones that comes to mind for me offhand is Star Wars Sessions Boys. I've talked to, to D quite a few times. Uh, let's see, what's another thing that comes out of Solo? Not at, off the top of my head. I'm not getting anything just yet. But... Also, folks have noticed that the Star Wars Resistance broadcast folks, John James and Lacey, have been running it around in the Twitterverse for going on four or five years. Their hashtag, Make Solo 2, happen in hopes that Lucasfilm will get together and tell us there's still ten years between Solo and Star Wars Story and New Hope. What else has Han and Chewie been up to? Right. Because they just left that story when Han won the Falcon off from Lando on Numidia Prime about a gangster putting together a crew, and we all know who he's talking about. That would be the one and only job of the hut. So what happens right. there? Exactly. I want to. It would be nice to see that. Yeah. Absolutely, it would. Oh, I know another thing that came out of Solo. What's that? Han's pension 
for dropping a payload when the going gets tough. Because he dropped the coaxium. Yes, he surely did. And we all know why he owed Jabba money. What happened? Imperials boarded his ship. He dropped the payload. So. Yeah, but, for yeah. now, for now that sits in legends. Yeah, he was, he was, he had, he had a load of spice. And that would be a fantastic time to be able to put together was that what he was really hauling, or was it something different? Right. Yeah, and we also where where he learned how to shoot first. Yep. I mean, unfortunately, Beckett is the one that told him that and mm-hmm. paid the price. Um, Beckett also told him, "Assume everyone's going to betray you," and he should have listened to that a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and everyone says, yeah, well, he goes, yeah, first, uh, Becca betrays him, then Kira betrays him, and I don't see what Kira did as a betrayal. She actually, I think she did what she did out of love for him. Mm-hmm. She loved him so much, she did not want him getting involved with Red Crimson Dawn and Darth Maul, and just decided, you know what, he's out of the ship. Him and Chewie are safe. I'm out of here. Yeah, she so, had to let go to keep him yeah. safe. Yeah, that's how I took that it. is a betrayal. No. So, but yeah, Beckett did, you know, screw him, but, you know, he, he told him, you know, assume everyone's going to betray you. So, but yeah, I mean, if Han took Beckett up on his offer, you never know where, how the story would have taken off then if him and Becca just took off. So, probably being chased down by, uh, you know, Crimson Dawn. But, yeah. But yeah, a lot of character traits, I think, came out for Han in, like, what we saw him in A New Hope. Yeah, in A New Hope, he was more, what do you call it, jaded, I guess? Because he went from, yeah. I have a good yeah. feeling about this, to, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah. But, in all, all in all, I'm like, the optimistic Han that we got in this movie, because he's young and ambitious, is totally his character and when he gets knocked down and jaded in a new hope it's it's still the same person just different attitude and but yeah Han will always be who he is always taking risks and and never I mean the part there where they were trying to get Dryden not to kill them saying we'll fix this we'll, we'll find a way not once. I mean, I would have been, I would have pissed myself. I would have been begging for my life. Did Han? No. He was cool as a cucumber. Just said. You know, always flying by the seat of his pants. Always. Yep. And just saying, how about unrefined? Knowing how dangerous it is. Knowing the risks. How about unrefined? So. Yeah, he's, like I said, he is the total, that, that's why I think I liked him so much when I was younger, because he was a total opposite of me, and he's someone that I always wanted to be like. Cool in tough situations like that, where I would have been, like, scared crapless. So, yeah. Yeah, I had a time when I was a youngin' too where I was trying to figure out how to feather my hair, part down the middle to look like Han, and made my own homemade black cargo vest and trying to find a shirt that looked pretty much similar to what he was wearing and red duct tape to make the Corellian blood stripe. 
down the side of my jeans. Yeah, the yeah. time was like that too. Yeah, actually, and if you ask me before Solo came out, I'd be like, yes, Han Solo's original outfit is the coolest. I would love to have an outfit like that. But after Solo, I'm like, I want that brown black leather jacket that Han wears in this one. I want his outfit from this one. Cause yeah, there's replicas out to be found. Sure, there's replicas yeah. to be found. Whether it's Etsy or Amazon, they're they're out in the world. Yeah, I just I just need the extra money to get it, get one. But yeah, that is one cool jacket. Yeah, there was somebody else that turned up in this story that no none none of us on the outside of Lucasfilm walls was expecting, and far as I can recall, there wasn't anything in the spoilers that I was following that said this was going to turn up, and I would be speaking to the leader of the Shadow Collective, which gathered up all the crime families from the Huts to the Pikes, Black Sun, and we were introduced in this to Crimson Dawn. Everybody reported to this fella. At the end of the story, when Sarah right. takes out Dryden Voss, and then she yeah. takes his code ring and makes that hollow call to Maul, yeah. we were all absolutely floored to see, because most folks were asking, well, wait, wasn't, didn't Obi-Wan Kenobi take him out in The Phantom Menace? And for folks that didn't keep up with Clone Wars to see right. his return. And then in Rebels, which takes place eight years or so, six years after this. Yeah, the return of Maul. Yeah. Funny enough, at the premiere, it was Ewan McGregor and Ray Park got to sit next to one another at the premiere of this, and Ewan had no idea what was coming, and Ray did. And Ewan about flipped out whenever he saw, because Ray got to portray this, and Sam Whitworth did, did the, the voice again. Yeah, that, that listening to that, I heard that quite a few times in my playlist years ago, to, to see Ewan's surprise at Maul's return to the big screen. Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, when that scene happened, and I, th- I think I figured it up when they when you saw his his legs, mm-hmm. and they slowly start panning up, and you start hearing his voice. And I was like, "Holy crap!" I'm like, "No way!" I said, "Maul is Crimson Dawn." So, yeah. And I guess it, that, that's where Kira goes off. She goes off and apparently she's now Maul's right hand. Yep. So, you know, and when she said to Han, I don't want to tell, I want to tell you everything, but I can't because you won't look at me the same way, the way you're looking at me now. And I would like to know what some of those things are. I really would. I'm going to go and say with Kira's story existing right now in comics and then again with Crimson Climb coming out that I don't feel that's how Lucasfilm's going to finish up her story. I don't, for whichever reason, I don't see Lucasfilm actually making Solo 2 happen, unfortunately. Just my opinion. Um, something else that we cannot let go by is John Powell's magnificent score of this oh, story. I know. There's been yeah. a time a couple months back where for no reason whatsoever I was listening to my playlist that I hit pause and I went into what I could use as Spotify now. I just went in and I brought up the solo Star Wars story soundtrack 
and for an hour just went from start to finish. The whole yeah. thing is just glorious Star Wars music. Yeah. And if you would like to hear some of John Powell's thoughts, the TRB crew uh, a couple of years back got to have him on and talk to him about his time scoring this story. Fantastic talk. If you're interested in what Mr. Powell's got to say, go look that up because there's that's a one hell of a great conversation to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, I I have it I have all the Star Wars soundtracks on my um I don't have Spotify anymore. I just I like uh YouTube music over Spotify because my Spotify account's a free account because I can't afford to pay monthly to have a music service. But the free account for Spotify will not let me listen to an album in album order. It will randomly shuffle them. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube Music, YouTube Music free account, it will play in order. Yes, you might have a ad here or there. But most times they'll give you like a 90 second ad to watch and then you get a, get a listen ad free for the next like hour and a half or something like that. So, but I don't mind the ads. I've lived with ads my whole life, so mm-hmm. they don't bother me. But yeah, free account on, uh, YouTube music will play an album in the order it was tended. So yeah, <clears throat> so yeah, and all the, soundtracks I have saved in my library I didn't have to pay for them at all they're just there let's do them anytime I want yeah but yeah YouTube music I really like them Um, and I think they're starting to get podcasts now but they're slowly getting podcasts so they don't have everything yet but I'm pretty sure eventually they'll have everything and who knows, maybe after they do get all that situated, maybe that's where I'll start going to listen to all my podcasts in one thing so I can get rid of another app on my phone. But, but yes, oh. as best bring up the, the fight between Kara and Dryden Voss at the end. I wish it would have went on just for a little bit longer. I thought it was too fast. But because I was never, yeah, because when she first said, was it Tara Scott, Cassie or whatever? Tara Scott. Yeah, Tara Scott. Yeah, and when people started flipping out when I started listening to the podcast, I'm like, why are you, I have no idea what the heck that is. That's just to me like, oh, that's a fighting style. I had no idea. That, oh, it was in this video game and then in this legend thing and then in this. I'm like, yep, yeah, see, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, it came from a Star Wars video game that was a, a one-on-one fighter game that some folks would deem to be one of the more terrible Star Wars video games. I myself have That's never good. played it. I've heard, like yourself, Jeff, I've heard yeah. tons about it. Yeah, obviously I've never played it, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've seen you can it's it's easily looked up on Star Wars YouTube. Okay. Yeah, there's got to be tons out there about it. Um, but yeah, having Dryden schooled Kira in that style of fighting, and yeah, just watching it again this morning. Her turning tails on Dryden and then, yeah, taking him out with his captain of the guard sort of broadsword. Yeah. Again, Dryden's weapons of choice were Cayuso petars that are kind of double-bladed. They look like a a World War I trench knife that would, would have brass knuckles on it. But these were sort of like 
sort of similar to a Vibra knife, but they glowed red and they could cut through a lot of stuff because when Kira was, was defending herself, there were some of the artifacts in Dryden's office that he was hacking to bits, making strikes at her. He was cutting some very val- old, valuable artifacts in half. Um, something else to come away from this that we very nearly got. They ended up in the deleted scenes. If you've ever seen the comic story of two goofballs got themselves tied up into different parts of the stories of the original trilogy, and I think they might have found their way back in, well, they couldn't have found their way back into the prequels. They would have been kids. Would have been two characters by the name of Tag and Bink. Yeah, I heard about them. Yeah, they were in the deleted scenes as two Imperial lieutenants right about the time that Han's getting court-martialed. Well, he's getting sent to the Imperial Army. Yeah, we very nearly got them. There was also a deleted scene of Han in a Thai brute, which is a heavily armed Thai fighter, where he saves the lives of a, a squadron mate of his, and he gets reprimanded for it because Imperial pilot thinks supposed to be looking out for one another when he went and, went and did, and ended up crashing that brute into the hangar of the ship, which gets him put into the Imperial Army, where we see him in a big heavy blast getting blown across the surface of Mimban. Yeah, that, those deleted scenes, if you ain't take a look at them, they're likely to be found on Star Wars YouTube. There's some fun stuff there to, to, to see. Yeah. Also, what else is there? Um, The recruitment video. When Han is in... Oh, in the spaceport. Yeah, in Cornette City Spaceport. And he steals the cloak off of someone and the cap off of somebody else. And he's hiding, trying, hoping that he's not going to get found after the White Worms take Kira. She doesn't make it through the gate. And they, they... they get her, and he sees Chief Mudburn at the recruiting station. We see that little bitty video, and we get to hear again for the second time, because we heard it in Rebels, is the, the Imperial March played in a major key where it makes it sound like it, it's a happy, fun, right. fun, fun thing. Yeah, and we see that little bitty video, and that's the first time that we get to see an Arrestor-class cruiser. It's the same one that we get to see above Segra Milo in Andor that is going after to stop. Oh, why am I? I hate when I'm blanking on names. It's right there. And why is it not hitting me? Even the actor's name. But we get to see that, that, that class of ship for the second time that was designed by Colin Cantwell was supposed to be what an Imperial class star destroyer was to look like. And I'm glad for whoever, I think it might have been George that decided that what we know now is the one and two classes are my favorite starship in the galaxy. But that Arrestor class cruiser is, is something else. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's, well, you know, come to think of it, I don't have much more that I can say about this movie, really. Um, no, it was just uh, about say the very same thing because yes this story is packed full of so much Star Wars fun but as far as Solo goes Jeff I gotta agree I think we did it oh my goodness and as you're saying that I just remembered real quick here this is how we'll wrap up Solo all the easter eggs that are in Dryden's office in his yacht 
Um, the very first thing I, I think I remember seeing was artifacts from the Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like that in his, throughout his office. Yeah, the Golden and, Knight is there. Yep. The fertility idol, the, um, then of course he has like, you know, I think I saw some what, Mandalorian armor and, you know, stuff from the Star Wars universe too. But what caught me was the crystal skull and the, Fertility Idol from the Indiana Jones series in there. I thought that was pretty cool that they threw those in there. And now, that Crystal Skull comes from one of Brian Daly's novels, the Han Solo series that he did, called Zim the Despot. Huh. That's where that Crystal Skull has a relation to tied to Star Wars Legends. That was one last thing that is now part of the Star Wars canon. Hmm. Okay. I knew it wasn't the exact same from the Indiana Jones series, but that's the thing I think of first is Indiana Jones. But, yeah, because like I said, wasn't into Legends, so I did not know about that little fact, but now I know. Yeah, I just had to go right over here to get is... If folks ain't already seen, there is, and some might have it in their, their book collections, is the visual guide, yep. which I'm holding in my hands right now. Yeah, that is packed full of little bits and bobs all about this story. Yes, so I think it, we believe I have that. Yes, it is a great fun little book. It takes the Cloud Riders. You get to meet all of Enfys Nest's crew. Yep. Which also does include one of the Tutu's brothers. Yep. That we get to see in this story that we met from Row 1. Um, also the audio book of this. Yeah, we can we can get this going a little bit longer. If folks haven't given a listen to, I would recommend because the way this story turns up is after Han has that coaxium and he's given it over to Empress Nest and her crew, the end of the audiobook or the, the novel, if you choose the, the, the hard copy, is they get the Codrizer get visited by Saw Guerrera. On Sabrine. And Saw is coming to get this coaxium. And at the end of that story, we get to see Saw ain't alone. He has a passenger with him and a friend that he's teaching. And that would be a very young Jen Urso. Oh, okay. Yeah, so now we have parts of Solo tied up to before Rogue One, which also crosses over with, we brought, I brought this up last week, was Rebel Rising is the story of when Saw finds Jin on Lamu and takes her under his wing. So yeah, these three stories are kind of tied together a little bit through little parts, which then laces up different Star Wars stories through through the canon. So if you haven't given Rebel Rising a look or a read or the novel version of Solo, a Star Wars story, would definitely recommend find some time. And if you've already done it, do it again. I've done three, both of them, all three of them, three or four times. Such great Star Wars storytelling. But yeah. I think that's a good way to end this up. Yuppers. But yeah, so any other podcast recommendation for this week? That is what I'm taking a hunt at right now. Um, let's see. I did Star Wars Book Community as a recommendation previously. Um, I'm going to pull one from my way back. It was one of the ones I first started with when I was looking for something to fill my ears. 
and they just finished up a few weeks back where they've been going for a while with their recaps of Ahsoka is someone I definitely support and share out. He's also on the other side of the state with you, Jeff. Okay. Be Sean, extra techie. Where he's rebranded his show a few years ago because I was just finishing going through did they do chapters three, four, and five of season one? Right where he rebranded his, his podcast name because he was calling himself the last podcast. Okay. He now goes under Extra Star Wars. So if you're looking for some listening, whether it's way back like me with Mando or Andor or Book of Boba, Kenobi, yeah, go give Sean a look up. He does his show in a very unique kind of way where they do top threes, which are three different things from him and his two co-hosts, and they're never always the same because we all see Star Wars stories in different ways. And different little things that, that they notice that stand out to them that he calls noticements. <laughs> Love the twist on that showing. Yeah. Give extra Star Wars a listen. They're fun fellas. Yeah. Of course, after you listen to ours and... If you need more, head over to the Red 5 Network, plenty more Star Wars podcasts and pop culture podcasts over there at the Red 5 Network. Check them out. And unless you have anything else to add, RFB. Nope. If there's anybody's got any thoughts or questions, anything Star Wars, I haven't been put it in the Twitterers. But if you made it this far and you got something Star Wars to say, hit me Formally at Gmail, and we'll bring it up on the pod. Would love to talk about your thoughts. Also, I got the notification. Ooh, this looks spoilery. Star Wars Meg just put up a new skeleton crew leak. So if you're up to know what that is, give Meg a watch, because I'm going to be doing that right after this call ends. Yep. Well, having said that, and also uh, have a chat with RFB. Mm -hmm. The first episode is up and ready for you to listen if you haven't listened already. The second episode is in the feed and is preparing to drop on Monday morning. First thing Monday morning. So, second episode will be up Monday morning. First one with Plo Cool was a lot of fun, and I ain't going to go and spoil it. It's a small Star Wars YouTuber who I've been kind of chat friends with for a while. And we had a chance to sit down and have, he was, he was so much fun to talk to. That'll be coming on Monday and got another one lined up to record on Monday with another Twitterverse friend. So keep your ears peeled for that one. Yep. And as always, until next time. I have spoken. Give the evacuation code signal. Thank you for stopping by the cafe. Life is all about passions. Thank you for lending me your ear while I share all of mine. You can follow the Blue Milk Cafe on Twitter at that BMC Pod. You can follow the Facebook group, the BMC Pod. You can also email the Blue Milk Cafe, that BMC Pod at gmail.com. And remember, Blue Milk, it does a body good. Anyway. 
Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>